0: Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you are the giver of every perfect and good gift and all the blessings that we enjoy in this life. We thank you especially for the gift of faith that you have implanted in our hearts to place our trust in our Lord Jesus, your Son, our Redeemer. We pray tonight that you would also stir up our hearts to cherish and appreciate the wonderful gift of marriage that you have given us. We ask it all in our Lord's saving name. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed who have been purchased and bought back to God by the suffering, death, and resurrection of his only Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God's grace, kindness, and compassion are yours to be found alone in this Redeemer. Our lesson for tonight, as you see printed, is taken from the Gospel of St. John, the second chapter, beginning with verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tested the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you've kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. It's clear from some of the Jewish writings from the time of Jesus that the people in Jesus' hometown knew that Joseph was not his biological father. And I often wonder, did did Mary have to put up with a lot of questions? Did this ruin her reputation? We imagine it did. Can you imagine Mary waiting through her son's childhood and now teenage years and into his 20s? When is this going to be apparent now that, that my son is the Messiah, the one that's been promised? I often think How long did she have to kind of wait, wondering? We don't know from Scripture, is it possible that Jesus had performed some miracles in the home that made it apparent to his parents, anyway, that he really was the miraculous son of God? We don't know that. But we do know this is the first of his public miracles to display his glory. And her son was now 30 years old. Uh, That's a full-grown adult, So when would the time finally come for him to kind of display to everyone what God's divine plan was to be worked out through him? The account in front of us kind of opens the door to all of that. And um, what's beautiful about this little text, this very familiar story for us as Christians is we get to see both of the natures of Christ involved, his divine and human natures here. And first of all, his very human nature, just the fact that he's at a wedding, at something that's so common and regular and ordinary. Uh, In the United States, every day there are 6,200 weddings, they estimate. Even here in the state of Minnesota, hundreds of weddings, almost every day. So, Jesus is not some aloof being. He's not some strange alien that comes down from heaven and has nothing to do with Regular earthly life, he's very in touch with his fellow man and the people from his community. This more than likely was maybe a relative or a close friend to the family, and a very human event. And uh, it shows that he embeds himself right into the very culture of our world and right into this, right into the culture of the people of Galilee as well. It's comforting us for us to know that that. Uh, how ordinary and typical Jesus' human life was, and the fact that he came to live in such a common and ordinary way. And it's easy for us to envision him working with his father and learning the tools of the trade, and uh, uh, something so lowly, and and so on. Martin Luther used to say that he speculates that someday in heaven, people who grew up with Jesus in Nazareth are going to see him on his throne and say, Oh! That guy built my house. And uh, to think of him as a, just a common laborer and just out carrying out such normal common things. And yet in this text we also see the beautiful divine nature of Christ, that he is true God before us. A very simple miracle, and yet at the same time extremely profound. It shows that our Lord has command over all of the biological laws and rules of the earth and that he can take something so simple as water and change it into the finest wine, large amounts of it, at this wedding. Now, he could have easily helped out that day by running to a nearby store on behalf of his mom, and uh, yet he chooses to instead provide a little glimpse for us into his miraculous power, into his divine nature, and to, to let us see just a little gleam a little glistening of his heavenly nature shining through here in this story. The Son of God does not want you to feel that you have placed your trust in simply a very good son or a very helpful neighbor, but instead that you have placed your trust by the work of the Holy Spirit in the one who is very God of very God, of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. You don't want your faith resting on just some earthly character. It needs to be grounded in God himself, which our Lord Jesus certainly is. Another wonderful thing we see in this text is just how high Jesus holds the institution of marriage. Our culture doesn't do that today. Our culture is often bashing marriage. But our Lord Jesus here shows how highly he wants the members of his kingdom to uphold this institution of marriage. Whenever I conduct a wedding, there is a prayer that we use and a line in that prayer. It's one that's been used for hundreds of years. I'll just read that line, uh, this petition. Do not let this blessed work and ordinance be set aside and brought to nothing in our day. And I've been reading that prayer now in weddings for over 30 years and it means more to me now than it did when I first came out of seminary. Our culture is raging against this institution and wants it to be brought to nothing. And you guys are growing up in a generation, you college students, where more and more the culture around you sees this institution as an irrelevant thing and wants to bring it to nothing and degrade it and change it in any way it can. But we must remember this is a divine institution that God himself has established even back before the fall into sin with our parents, our first parents, in their perfection as he created them. And what a precious gift this truly is. There are many people today, though, who want, to us, want us to despise marriage and degrade it. They want to have us think of it as a dinosaur institution. They want to... to um, rather have people just live together outside of wedlock and to consider marriage to be irrelevant and meaningless and you can tell that's taking hold there are fewer marriages today in our country than there were 10 years ago casual divorce is another way that it is is thought of so badly and and even sometimes just in simple conversation and in our our entertainment how entertain how entertainment often takes a shot at marriage. And um, it's such an easy target, you might say. There was a bishop in Norway years ago named Lockie, and he said this, the devil still rages against marriage, for he knows that when he spoils it, he undermines all order of society. So in the book of Hebrews, God reminds those who are of the kingdom of his son, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all who are sexually immoral. We are to see this gift as a wonderful present from God. It's the Son of God himself who establishes marriage, who now attends this wedding and and contributes to the celebration of this joyful event for this couple. And throughout Scripture, God speaks so highly of marriage. He uses it, in fact, to depict His relationship to you as one of his faithful, as if you are the bride and he is the groom. He uses it to depict what takes place in your baptism, when the holy white perfection of Christ in his holy life now gets draped on you in the waters of baptism so that you possess that very righteousness, which is why the brides in Christian marriages so often wear white. He uses it to depict uh, the wonderful scene that will be waiting for us likewise in heaven. He uses it to depict the wedding banquet and the feast that we will have with him. So God, throughout scripture, upholds this wonderful institution. And that's why our Lord uses it as the place to, if you will, launch his public display of his divine nature. So Jesus is here admiring his own special work and his own creation. Uh, he honors marriage with his presence and contributes to the celebration. This is what uh, a man named Johannes Ilvesacker wrote. He's the father of Dr. Ilvesacker of our WIFAC. Of our he wrote this in a commentary. With his gifts and presence, Jesus hallows and blesses domestic life and shows how acceptable it is in the eyes of God. You know, being a Christian is primarily about getting to heaven, but our Lord is also very concerned about our lives here in this world and on this earth. And notice that if this is how highly Christ himself honors marriage, how highly would he also would want us to honor it as well. It's interesting here that Jesus' first display of his divine nature is in an act of giving. It's an act of blessing and institution that he has established. Something that predates the fall into sin. Something that gives us a little reminder of things way back in the Garden of Eden. An institution which takes people back to that first gift given to Adam and Eve. The giving of a precious spouse. And God tells us in the book of Proverbs, he who finds a wife and likewise a husband finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. So let us honor God, the giver of every good and perfect gift, uh, by honoring the very gifts that he brings, the one who will someday, through our faith in Christ, restore us to an eternal Eden in heaven. Amen. Let us rise for the versicle. Thank mm-hmm. you.